Welcome to another episode of Fireside Chats with Blake. I'm your host, Blake Townsend, and today I'm joined by a comedian from Willoughby, Ohio, named Jim Caulfield. We had a really fun conversation where, I'm not going to lie, I talked a little bit too much, and I feel bad about that because I really enjoy picking Jim's brain and hearing what he has to say. We talked about everything from how he helped me come up with jokes because he actually writes jokes and I don't, getting bumped at open mics and getting the light early sometimes, anxiety and ADD, backhanded compliments, me being bad at everything, dark mom jokes, but most importantly, just how bad symphonic metal is and how much it can ruin a person's personality. If you enjoy the conversation, feel free to hit the subscribe button so that you'll know instantly when the episode of Aggressively Average Podcast comes out that he is featured as a guest. If you want to catch up with him on social media, he is on Facebook at Jim Caulfield, spelled J-I-I-M, Caulfield, which is C-A-U-L-F-I-E-L-D. Or on Twitter, you can find him at J-H space Pendragon, spelled like the word pen with the word dragon. Hope you enjoy the show as much as I did. Let's get the fire started. Welcome to the Aggressively Average Podcast. You'll be forced to stay. I get all my facts from my gut. I'm not allowed to go out and do what I want to do. I'm going postal. 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 This is a list of the people who ought to die. Enjoy the show. Welcome to Fireside Chats with Blake. In this episode, I am joined by a fellow comedian, pretty much as usual, but uh, he is currently staying in Willoughby, correct? Yes, Willoughby, Ohio. And his name is Jim Caulfield. If you look him up on Facebook, have you fixed the spelling? No, because I'm kind of okay with it not making sense. (laughs) (laughs) So if you look him up on Facebook, it'll be J-I-I-M Caulfield spelled... Oh, C-A-U-L-F-I-E-L-D. See, I thought that was the case, but I didn't want to spell it wrong and be an asshole. I'm not even sure if I just spelled it right, but that's <laughs> it's close. Um, first thing I wanted to talk to you about today is I wanted to thank you because you've actually helped me come up with two uh, bit ideas without you knowing. And it's based on the one joke you said on stage and then another thing that I commented on your Facebook about. Oh. And the bit on stage is where you talk about uh, the difference between being fat and ugly. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and so I've used that to like kind of like be a premise for my own like personal experience of growing up fat. And uh, when you start to tell people that you're fat, they start to like not agree with you, even though they used to make fun of you for being fat. Yes. So I've worked on that and like how people be like, oh, you're not fat. You just have big bones. <laughs> yeah, but it's like. Just say I'm fat, because if I'm not fat, I'm left with ugly. Like, And that's the whole idea, is like, I can't fix that. That's just... I, I can lose weight. Right. I can't get a new skeleton. I can't get a new fucking jaw. Like, so, Yeah, so it's... They think they're being nice, but they're not. It's a terrible thing to say to somebody. Just yeah. tell your friends they're fat. That's what I'm trying to say. Like, uh, I've also... I'm working on another bit where uh, 
when girls say the line, oh, you're just so easy to talk to, it's like, that's not a compliment. That's you saying, I find you unattractive. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's... Exactly, because the guys they want to talk to, they don't know what to say to them. Exactly. So if you're easy to talk to, you're like, well, I'm not fucking her. And like, oh, sorry about the language. But no, yeah. fuck, say whatever the fuck you want. But it's an immediate, like, well, I guess we're just buddies. Because, yeah. If a girl would say to me, I don't know what to say to you, I'd be like, oh, all right, well, I got her. Like, yeah, that like, never happened. Me and my friend talk about Chandler on Friends. Yeah. How, like, he talks to a pretty girl one time, and he goes, oh. <laughs> That's a great impression. I know like nobody can see that, but that was fucking great. <laughs> well, I my mom used to love Friends, and she loved that '70s show, and I never watched either of those with her. And once I got older, after she passed away, I watched them, and I was like, these would have been fun to watch with her. I would have learned her sense of humor instead of just thinking about her as mom. As somebody who despises his parents, I understand why you would. Revolt against anything they liked, just out of spite. I would do the same thing. Yeah. Well, it's just like you, if they like it, you're like, oh, old people like that. Right, right. That's not me. My friends like other stuff. Yeah. Yeah. But I watched it. I watched Friends all the way through, and I knew Chandler was her favorite character. And after watching Friends, I was like, I became Chandler. Just oh, really? Like if if you watch Chandler, like or Friends, I mean, I've only watched like three episodes. I, watched, I know the character. Yeah, I watched it all the way through, and like as it went on, I was like. If I had to pick a personality type out of any of those people, like Chandler's by far the like closest to me. That make that makes sense. I barely know you, but that makes complete sense. I always thought that was funny how like you meet because like I always had this theory like there's six different types of people, and each one of those types of people are like a main character in a TV show or a movie, and it's like almost like people pick somebody they relate to and they model themselves after that. But you just happen to relate to them. But I've seen people because oh, I, I definitely. If I watch a show straight through, the character I like the most on the show, I start to, like, emulate in real life. Like, their sense of humor, the, their cadence in talking. Do you Are you cognizant of that? Like, oh, I know it? I'm yeah. good. Yeah, because yeah, sometimes I'll do that. Like, I'll sometimes I'll be talking to my friends, and I'll get, like, a weird accent from somebody that I admire. And I'm like, that's not your accent. You're, different. <laughs> You're not from Boston. Shut the fuck up. Like, <laughs> but, yeah. but if you don't catch it, it's different. If you catch it, fine. But if you just go with it and make that your identity, I'm like... That's kind of weird. Yeah, I don't know if you've ever watched Psych. No. Oh, I. It's uh, James Rode. Rode. I don't fucking know. But <laughs> he plays the main character, and he plays a super sarcastic, highly intelligent, but pretends to be dumb, pretend psychic. I already love him. And when I was watching it, like, I could tell, like, my breaks in between jokes I was saying, the, the looks I was giving people. The mannerisms and the, the, and yeah. the tempo. Yeah, yeah. everything. Yeah. Same thing when I watch House. I start to be more like House. Like Nothing wrong with that. As long as you acknowledge that you're doing that and you don't lose yourself in that, it's fine. Well, I, I've always... This is a deep psychological thing here, people. Fucking do it. Do uh, it. For the longest time, I didn't really think I had a personality. I just kind of morphed into whatever I needed to be for that person. Okay. And... That's a personality trait, really. It's like it just I'm able to figure out what everyone wants to bounce things yeah. off of. You know your audience, you're malleable. Like if you're talking to a tow truck driver, you're gonna drop. You're gonna say cunt a lot. <laughs> you know, if you're talking to an engineer, you're gonna be like, I like numbers. You know, yeah. it's there's nothing wrong with that. It's just it's about being malleable. That's yeah, I mean, it just took me years to realize like mm -hmm. that's actually a personality. It's a good personality trait it to have it instead of just being like. 
well, I can't fit in here. I'm not going to talk to this person. Right. It's like, I'll find a way to connect with There's you. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that at all. Um, it's, not, it's not a lie. It's, it's, it's adaptability. That's yeah. all it is. And like I said, it just, when you're a teenager and like you're shy and stuff, you don't realize that you you think you're just fitting in, but it's like, no, no, you're being you. Exactly. You're not just fitting in. Right. You're being who you are. Like other people can't do that. I think that's what makes a comedian because you never feel like you belong. So you never meet anybody else that relates to you exactly the right way. So you kind of like morph depending on the situation. But as you get older, you're like, okay, I'm weird. And I'm just going to have to accept that. I should probably go on stage and do it in front of people. Like it's a weird, it's a weird fucking thing. Like if I'm going to embarrass myself, I'm going to do it in public instead of in my own room. Like, you know, well, it's like, a, and I told you this on Facebook and you brought it up earlier about how, uh, you have much more confident friends that tell you, oh, I, I couldn't get on stage. Oh, yeah. And I'm sure you've thought, yeah, you can. I do. I tell them all the time. Just go up there and start just, fucking Just talking. try it one time. Yes. And I told you this before. My social anxiety with one person mm. is the reason I'm okay going up on stage. It's because I find it hard, like, in my bar just to talk to a random person. But when I'm up on stage, I get to talk for five minutes, ten minutes without anyone interrupting me. So I can get them to get to know me. Before I have to try to, like, get them to like me. Right. right. And most people, most people, I'll say 80% of people, if you give them enough time, you'll find something you can like about them. Exactly. Yes. So. I agree with that. But that's what's hard as a comedian is you have to sell them on you in, like, the first 10 seconds. Hmm. And that's fucking hard to do. Because we only get a finite amount of time. So you got to be able to, like, they've got to relate to you or at least you have to endear yourself to them so quickly. And a room full of strangers... It's so fucking difficult, which is why any comedian that goes up, even if they do good or bad, I'm always like, you did great, because that's fucking hard to do, man. And nobody understands it. Like, it's hard. A couple of things I'm going to touch on. But first, last open mic I hosted, mm -hmm. there was this, uh, it's mostly comedians every time. Then there's a couple of regulars that sit at the bar in like, there's three rooms. You have the room we do the open mic in. I was there. Yeah. Then yeah. you have the bar. Then you have the back room. With the sound system they have, not everything's connected to their, like, full surround sound system. Yeah. We just have, like, a single speaker. If you're in the room where the mic's going on, you can hear the people on stage. If you're at the bar, it's a little further back, and they're constantly going, we can't hear you. Oh, we can't hear you. Well, they were doing that, and then I was able to adjust it. That's I started bringing my mixer there so I could boost the sound. And so they finally were starting to able to hear people, but they were heckling. Saying, say something funny. Oh, that's blah, blah, blah. And <laughs> so they they did that, and they had someone who's been doing it, uh, John King. Do you know who that is? Yeah, yeah, he's funny. Yeah, he's been doing like 34, yeah. 38 years that's or funny something. Dude. And they heckled him? They He rolled with it. Because I, I would imagine yeah. he could handle it. Yeah, he yeah. did. So he handled it, and then uh, there was another guy that was from Youngstown that came up, and he likes to crowd work when they're there, like, or at least the two times I've seen him, he's done a lot of, like, crowd work with the regulars because there's no other people there. Right. So he just tries to get the people that are there involved. Problem with that is now they feel even more emboldened to heckle more than they were before. So they can be part of it indirectly. Yeah. Oh, it's fucking And so then a couple people later, someone was doing their first time. And I got up there, and I was like, Hey, uh, the next person we're going to bring up, it's going to be his first time ever doing this, so please give him the benefit of the doubt. And the one that was heckling the most out of the three people goes, <laughs> he warned him. He doesn't even know what I'm about to do. I'm like, I do know. 
That's why I said that. <laughs> fucking yeah. You think of the first one, Janet? That happens all the fucking time. Like you're not original. And yeah. within thirty seconds, she told him to speak up, which it's his first fucking time. Quit telling him that. He, you can't. The first time, you can't speak up if you want to. There's this lump in your fucking chest. You can't get. You, this. Yeah, it's hard to project. You're yeah, just worried about saying. Yeah. remembering the shit and saying shit. You got a boulder in your throat, and you're like, I just need to get off. Like, it's just terrible. So within the first 30 seconds, told him to speak up and to say something funny. And it's like, I told you it was his first time. We're not professionals. None of us are, let alone the guy doing it his first fucking time. Oh, yeah. That's... Like, just sit there, and if you don't like it, turn around, don't say anything, shut up. Hand her the mic, and be like, all right, entertain us, bitch. <laughs> like, that's, that's not nice. But I'm just saying, like, you try it. It's... It's very difficult, and people don't give us enough credit for it. A lot of my friends understand it because they know me from my whole life. And they're like, I cannot believe you're doing that. But people that don't do it do not understand how hard it is until you say, would you do it? And they're like, no. I mean, I've done that in open mic where – and it wasn't like the most polished crowd work ever, but someone said something, and I was just like, what's your name? And he said it, and I was like, you want to come up here? And he's like, no, no. I was like, that's what I thought. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm afraid to I'm afraid to interact with people because my my uh, instinct is to like eviscerate, like insult the fuck out of them, and I don't want to do that. So I'm afraid to even open dialogue with the crowd because it I just feel like I'll get so see that's offensive. <laughs> see that's my problem is I don't try to eviscerate people, but my banter is to punch up. I like to fucking right. make fun of the stronger person in the room. So, like, if I have a friend, uh, like, the People's Champ, who's on this podcast, whenever we're out in public... Is he, like, 6'5 or some shit? He's 6'3", 6'2". Okay, so it's NFL statistics. Like, he's <laughs> you added two inches to it. Okay. <laughs> when we're out in public, I constantly demean him. Right. Just constantly. Like, if, say, he's talking to a bartender and they laugh at something he says, I go, don't, don't, don't laugh at his jokes. I do the same. <laughs> I got a buddy who used to be a bouncer. He's, he's, he knows martial arts, and he's like... His shoulders are as wide as your fucking kitchen. He's a, he's a monster of a human being. And I constantly make fat jokes about him because he's not going to hit me because we're buddies. But I can say the most offensive things to him in front of people, and he just rolls with it, and I love it to death. But if you do that to somebody you don't know... Well, that's what I was saying. Yeah. Like, I do that with my friends, is I like to punch up and make fun of the people that have more of presence, right. more outgoing, have more going for them. I like to fucking demean them for that. Right. But you can't do that to a random stranger in the crowd without sounding like a dick. Exactly. You can do it with your friends because they understand your personality. Right. So there was actually my second time ever on stage. I was at Mad Max. It's closed down, but it was in Cleveland. And no one was paying attention to the comics. Like, everyone was being loud and talking. I understand. I hate it. And I went, I looked at my friends and like, if I go up there and people are talking, I'm fucking calling them out. Well, not, after you say that, you have to do it now. And I did. Yeah. But as I was doing it, I was like, hey, I'm up here. I'm talking. And then as soon as I said that, I'm like, I'm sounding like a dick. <laughs> right, right. So I was like, I've got to turn this around real quick. And yeah. someone was happened to be coming from the bathroom wearing a Charlie Brown shirt. Oh, good. So I was like, I'm up here. I'm talking. That dude has a great shirt. Let's focus. <laughs> That's perfect. That's perfect. <laughs> Yeah. And it turned it turned the whole room. Like everyone started like shut up, started paying attention. And it does, but that's not something you could plan for. Oh you, no, you can't was... write that. You have to you just happen into an observation that like like kind of de escalated your attack. Yeah. So that that's hard to do. That's why I don't even fuck with it yet. And that's 
I realized in my first couple of sets, like, I was better at writing jokes for the room. Like, when I was sitting oh. there listening to other comics and be like, okay, I can make a joke off that, I can make fun of that. I noticed that when you MC, like, you'll, you'll take something somebody said in their set and you can make a little one-liner out of it. I'm like, that's a good job. Yeah, so I found out in my first couple of sets, like, I'm, those are hitting harder than my actual jokes. Yeah. So I stopped. spontaneous. Yeah, so I stopped doing that just so I could try to work on making the actual jokes better. Yeah. But like you said, with MCing, I'm flexing that muscle more, and I'm actually building more jokes out of that. And I, that's why I feel like more time on stage, like if you had like a 20-minute spot, you could work through these ideas you have, and you could kind of like yeah. just spit shit out. But if you have 10, 5, 7 minutes... You've got to stay pretty fucking strict to your words. You need a little more room to breathe. I was actually thinking about talking to Chris Kettler like, and asking him, like, what do you need to see from me to get me 15 minutes, mm. 20 minutes somewhere? Yeah. Because I've done the same 10 minutes that are very similar. I, I, I don't write any jokes down. You told me that, yeah. and it blows my mind. <laughs> so, like, all my sets are somewhat different Yeah. because I'll tell a joke accidentally at one point or... I'll get a blank stare from someone, and then I tell the wrong joke out of order. Right. So every set's a little different, but like my 10-minute set that I have, I'm pretty confident in. And, you, and you're great at it, but I feel like you need more room to breathe. Yeah. And I, that's what I want to ask him. is like, what do you need to see from me to get me 15, 20 minutes? That way I can do my 10-minute set, but like sprinkle other things I'm working on Guarantee in between you it. give him five bucks, he'll give you 15 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Guarantee. He'll do it for a fiver. Well, he did let me on, he did let me on like uh, 15 minutes the one time because he uh, went to the bar to get a drink and I guess it took a while. And I started off the set just, I'm like, I'm going to try some of, some new jokes, then go to some of my old ones and then be done. But I did my new jokes, did the like old ones that I planned on doing and then I was just up on stage and I was like there's no light riffed a little bit and stuff he came back and he's like hey I wouldn't have done it like I don't leave the room if I don't think you can do more than 10 minutes and I was like oh that's a that's a good compliment yeah he's like oh he'll handle the stage for a minute yeah. and I've done that twice where I've had to make fill time and and it both those times it went fucking great because I wasn't rigid anymore mm-hmm. I was just like well I gotta cope with this situation and it's kind of like started bullshitting it's, it's boring it's boring fucking comedy stuff but it's like uh that's part of the learning process it's finding your like uh what your voice is mm-hmm. are you better at just riffing or do you need to stick to a structure do you need it's a fan yes and you are really good your your personality is so naturally endearing that like uh people just they want to hear as soon as you go up there i want to listen to you I don't know why. They, I don't know why. But I'm actually soon, working on a joke about that. Are you really? Because <laughs> yeah. as soon as you get up there, I'm like, I don't pay attention to this guy. And I have no fucking clue why. Like I said with the girls. Yeah. Like, uh, oh, you're so easy to talk to. I'm working on a joke about how that's my superpower and it's a real shitty superpower. <laughs> that's hilarious. That's because, like, people <laughs> always give me the benefit of the doubt. Right. But it's because I exude no alpha characteristics. <laughs> like, there's nothing about me that screams... Uh, you're going to find me attractive. I'm going to hit on you. Like, nothing about me. So your superpower is that no girl's boyfriend is threatened by you. Exactly. <laughs> and it goes in with my best man joke. Oh, it's perfect. That's perfect. That's fucking perfect. Yeah. My superpower is that no one's afraid I'm going to steal their girl. That's my superpower. <laughs> That's a terrible superpower. Dude, it's the worst. That's the best. Like, the, the same girl who I have my best man joke about, her mom let me sleep in her bed. And I asked her the one time, I was like, why do you let me sleep in her bed, but no one else? She goes, well, I know her boyfriend's going to try stuff, but you'll be okay. And I was like, 
That's just a euphemism for she's never going to touch you, Blake. Yeah, I know. And I'm convinced of this. I know <laughs> what that, that is. What a terrible superpower. Oh, that's terrible. Yeah. I, I hate that. My fr- my friends that are girls like, my boyfriend's not worried about you. I'm like, well, that's pretty insulting because <laughs> I feel like that's not nice at all. You know, I actually laughed at people in high school when they're like, oh, I, heard, I saw you talking to my girl. I'm like, <laughs> You're worried? <laughs> that's, 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 don't worry. that's cute. Do you want me to tell you about my six weeks of diary entries about how she didn't touch me? Would that make you feel better? Fuck. <laughs> shit, I got PTSD over that, and you're worried? Like, I'm fine. <laughs> no, it's a, that's a hilarious premise, dude, and it's yeah. so relatable. Everybody, male, female, otherwise, can relate to that. That's, yeah, that's my problem, because I don't write my jokes. Like, And, again, you help me with the joke, because you do write. Yeah. You write a ton. I can tell from your Facebook posts. I write constantly, but I fuck them up when I do them on stage. <laughs> Dude, I I could tell when you did your uh, Canadian geese bit the last oh, yeah, time yeah. at pharmacy. Yeah. Like, yeah. I knew as soon as you, like, said the, lo- the, the word wrong. Fucked it all up. And, like, you came off stage. I was like, you're that pissed about this, right? <laughs> and I know that you noticed that I was like, my head dropped. I was like, fuck. Because as soon as I mess up a word, I lose because I have terrible anxiety. So I'm like, oh. Now I'm just this fucking idiot on stage. So yeah, I, that, that's my issue is I write them and I try to remember them. But if I fuck up one word, one syllable, one cadence, one beat, I'm fucking thrown off. And I got to fix that. And I don't want to be hooked on Xanax, but I don't know what I'm supposed to do. <laughs> See, I think I, I've been noticing that. Um, a, another comedian that I was actually going to bring up about the Canadian geese bit, Brian Gallagher. Yeah, I've seen him. Yeah, he, uh, he apparently likes animal humor. Like, really likes animals. I have humor. tons of animals. And I told him, I was like, yeah. have you heard Jim's bit about uh, Canadian geese? And I'm sure he's heard it, but doesn't remember it. But when you're in the room, you're focused on your yeah. own shit, yeah. But he's like, I don't think I have. I was like, ah, I think you have, but we'll ignore that. Yeah. I told him to talk to you about it because he likes animal humor, and you seem pretty good at writing it. I got a ton of animal humor, but I mean, how many of those can you do? So. Uh, there's unlimited amounts of animals. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> there are, yeah. You're not, you're like, not. I have a... I have, like, obviously, I have that one B joke, and I'm working on making it. Uh, I was using it as my closer, even though the punchline's not really a punchline, but it almost guarantees a laugh every time. So I was like, ah, you want your closer to get a laugh, so I'll make sure I put that as my closer. Right. But uh, I'm trying to work on expanding it to really for people to understand how I truly feel about fucking bees. That, that's the trick about having so limited time is... These ideas that we come up with, we have to like abbreviate all of them mm-hmm. and make them as short as possible. But there's so much more you could do. That's why if you had more room to breathe, you could just bounce off your own ideas and just come well, up with shit. That's why I like because I've I don't want to say I've perfected my ten minute set, but I'm solid feeling about it. That, that's amazing. That, like, I, yeah, it's hard for nine minutes of a set. I'm comfortable, and I just don't know which minute is right. not going to be funny to what crowd. Exactly. Yeah. But I know I can get. Constant laughs throughout, just like you said, based on... I don't think my jokes are very intelligent so much as they're no, just... but they're ha-has. Yeah, I present them well. And, and they're really, everything you do is... I think it's you as a person. You're just fucking relatable. Immediate, like I said, immediately we're on your side. So that's... That's, that's why I wear the tuxedo shirt. It really gets everyone on the side. Yeah, they're like, this guy's well off. Like. <laughs> but uh, I think I'm going to start doing um, sets where, like I said, I don't write. So I'm just going to go up with one premise. And talk on that premise for the 10 minutes at pharmacy, the seven minutes, wherever, the five minutes, wherever. Just You can do that. Yeah, and then figure out what's funny in those minutes. Right. 
And you could you could definitely do that. Make sure you have a premise that you have a lot of thoughts on. Yeah. No, that obviously yeah. like one one I want to go up with is uh either just Taylor Swift or girl singers in general. Because I'm a huge fan of girl singers and when people hear that, they assume what most people do about me when they meet me is that I'm gay. And it's like <laughs> No, I just I would rather hear girl singers serenade me than I would hear a guy sing to me. More. Same. And and in general, I'm just a huge fan of girls. Yeah, exactly. So that's and when I grew up, I masturbated to music videos because that was Janet the only, Jackson got me through puberty. That was the only material I had. There the internet go. was too slow to rely right. on. But VH1 was instant, and I knew every day at a certain time Janet Jackson's gonna be number three. Fucking got this. Like, well, dude, there was a point my freshman year after my first girlfriend ever broke up with me, and it was. Kelly Clarkson, Since You've Been Gone, and Kelly Clarkson's just beautiful to me. And then right after that was Candy Shop. Oh, and, shit. <laughs> and I was like, if Kelly Clarkson doesn't get it done, I gotta make sure the first half of Candy Shop does so I can get out to the bus on time. Kelly, I got seven minutes and 20 seconds, regardless of the order of this voting. I fucking got this. My money shot is within this seven minutes. I got this. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. That's hilarious. Because I'm older than you, so I, like, I don't want to get into like the. No, no, no. He is older. He's not the oldest guest we've had on this podcast. I'm not? No. Had Michael Copenhaver. Oh, he's old. Yeah. I've seen him. I don't and know how old he is. Dude, he's... you know how we talked about John King? Yeah. Last time, uh, last Monday, he. Oh, fuck. I need to message him. I need to message him because I did not know that the Monday night open mic is not happening this Monday. And oh, that's was... right. Neither is Sunday. Yeah, and he wanted to be on it. Are you doing Tuesday? Mm, at. Garage bar. Yeah. I've been asked by a couple of people. It's a good room. The only problem is I don't have a car right now. And even if I could get out to Willoughby, it's just getting back to Stowe. Because I could get out to Willoughby. I I might even be able to just... No, because I work Tuesday I mean, morning. you can sleep on my couch, but I can't get you back to Stowe. I work at 5 in the morning. Yeah, I work at 5 in the morning, too. Uh, not for, I can't do that. Yeah. No, I've had uh, Christian ask me to do it. Yeah. I had some... People from Detroit asked me if I was going to be there. Yeah, it's a good, it's a good room. Knowing me, I didn't, I wasn't able to sign up. I tried to sign up online, yeah. but knowing me, I'm saying it's impossible. But there's a fifty fifty shot. I sh- you'll fucking see me there. I, I bet you if he showed up, he put, he'd make he'd make room for you. Yeah. And it's a good as far as open mics go. It's, so far, it's been my favorite open mic. And it might be a little like homerism because I live right there. But it's just it's a better crowd. It's like it's a good 20, 25 people, and mm. they're all there for to laugh. Yeah. So it just makes it a better crowd in general. That's this is just a, a personal flaw of mine is I know something's not the smartest decision. Yeah. But once it's been implanted in the back of my mind, I'll say no right up until it's like the deadline of you have to. If you don't do it now, you're not going to do it, and yeah. I go. Well, guess I'm going. <laughs> yep, yeah, that makes complete sense. So I, I hope I see you there. Yeah. I do. It's, it's, it's a good time. And I get a good, I get a good ten friends to show up, and they're all there to fucking laugh. So it's a good room. I wish you'd come out there. It's nice. It's nice. Yeah, I mean, I, no matter what, I'll get out there at some point. Yeah. But I do want to try and do more rooms right now because of the car situation. I've just been sticking with uh, pharmacy, then doing my open mic, and then I was doing, I was hosting another mic on Thursdays at the same place. But that got canceled because the bartender that was setting it up, really, her god brother was setting all the comics, and then I was hosting. So she wasn't she wasn't setting it up, but she was. She was like the in-between. She gave me the hosting job, and 
That's amateur comedy. Yeah. It's the same as like being in a um, garage band. It's the same sort of disappointment after disappointment. <laughs> after, and you, you drive 45 minutes to get three minutes. Well, that's why I like to give 10 minutes to everyone. Like, yeah. If you show up, I'm going to give you 10 minutes. We have from 8 to 10.30. Not once have I had a problem giving all the comics that show up 10 minutes. Yeah. I hope that becomes a problem in the future. But, which, that's a good problem to have. Yeah. But... You know, it's 2020, and nobody's doing anything. Yeah. So it's... When, like you said, with the stage time, is I like to give 10 minutes because I really don't think you can work on much in five. It's so hard. It, it, it's hard. Because that's what I was talking to and, Cole about. And a lot of people, I'm sorry to interrupt, but oh, go ahead. Yeah. a lot of people who say they're going to give you five minutes, give you the light at like three and a half, three. <laughs> and, it's, and, it, and you can tell. When you're sitting there watching someone else, and then you get up there, you're like, I wasn't up there as long as that last person. Because... You might not do this, but I rehearse a few times. I didn't rehearse, and it fucking... Sh- it, it, that happened at pharmacy? Yes, when I fucked up the goose, because I was like, oh, I should have fucking practiced. But anyways, but I rehearsed it, and one time I was in a mic, and I was supposed to get seven minutes, and I swear I got the light at 520 or something like that. And I didn't know if... And I was like, how did I not finish my last two jokes? Then I watched the video a couple of days later, I was like, it cuts off at 520 that month. <laughs> yeah. Because I had two more jokes, because there's... You start, you're trying to set up a tempo. Like, if things are supposed to go into each other... So if you miss one tag or one punchline, you, you're you set up for the next one. You know, it's like kind of a science. But then I lost the last two jokes, and I was like, well, that fucked up the whole first five minutes because, I don't know, it's just a – and I get it. That's the nature of the beast. But I was like, damn it, man, seven minutes is hard to get. Uh, Lakewood Village Tavern. I just did that one for the first time. The host will, if you're killing, leave you on for a while. And that fucks over everyone after him. Right. Because one time I went there – I've only been there twice, but the one time I went there – uh, he bumped me back, asked oh. me if he could bump me back, and I was like, okay, that's fine. Then he gave a couple of people before me, instead of the seven minutes, he gave them like 15. Ooh, that and then nice. he went to the bar, and there was a guy, and I am not against this guy at all. I've seen him do a bunch of sets. I give him props for having the confidence to go up each time, but every time I've seen him go up there, he goes, I swear I had jokes. I I had things to say. Um... Give me a second. Like, is it a shtick? No. He just gets nervous. Oh, well. He gets uh, nervous and forgets, but, like, more power to you to keep doing that. Oh, no, I, that, I'm, t- I'm on his side, but... But he was up there for ten minutes because the host was out getting a beer. Oh, balls. And then I went up, like, two people later, and I got the light at, like, three minutes, and I, was, I lost it on stage. So next time I do an open mic, I'm going to tell the MC that his car is being towed right before I get called up. <laughs> I got 10, 15 minutes before he figures out I'm full shit, but you know, it's a good move. Because I went to there, I did the uh, Lakewood on Wednesday, and it was great, but yeah, I kept getting bumped, because nobody knows who I am. I'm brand new. Well, you did that a couple of months ago. Me and you both went there. I, I, I didn't go up that night. I was there to watch. Oh, you didn't go up that no, night? No, because I was there because I had the social anxiety things, and I'd never been to that bar before. I had It had to become familiar to me before I can go up. Oh. I, I'm, I'm sorry. I got terrible fucking anxiety. So that time was just to watch. This, this time I went up. So, and, and it was great. I liked it. But I kept getting bumped and bumped and bumped. It's fine. But he did tell me next time, you can go up sooner. Good. I'm sorry about that. Right. Yeah, he didn't He didn't even remember me the oh. second time I went up there after he bumped me. And then, like, I lost my shit a little bit on stage. I It was a combination of... I think I watched your set. I think I... Uh, that, that night yeah. when you were there? Yeah, you did see me. Yeah. But the night, bef- the time I did it before, it was when I got bumped. Then all that shit happened and... By that time, I worked, like I said, I was working 5, 6 in the morning. I think it was 6 at that time. And I got on at like 1 a.m. when I was supposed to be getting on at like 11. 
So by that time, my friend and I had drank more beers than I really had planned yep. on. I was tired. And I had seen people get way longer time than me. And then I got the light and I fucking, poor form, got a little fucking like angry on stage. <laughs> I've done that too. I'll go up exhausted and I drink one or two more than I'm supposed to because I keep getting bumped. And then I'm just like, I just want to get this over with. And I just like fucking just spit it all out as fast as I can and go home. So I'm like, it's, and, it, and I always leave going, God damn it, Jim. But it's like, we're not getting paid. We're still learning how to fucking do this. And then you're exhausted and drunk by the time you go up. And it's, the only thing I worry about is like burning the the host bridge right yeah but that's why i just didn't go to that show for a very long time and then the next time i went he forgot i was ever even there <laughs> dude you nailed it you nailed it that's how you that's the business nailed and i don't know how you forget a fat dude in a tuxedo shirt but i guess he did Have you see the stand-up comics there's 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 more than one chubby dude but i promise you <laughs> yeah chris harvey actually said that to me at a open mic and we had talked on facebook a couple of times like it was not long after I started, but we talked on Facebook a couple of times. He'd seen me do a couple of sets. Then I showed up at Barley House, and he goes, John Brown? Dude, I always think I see John Brown. It's not him. <laughs> but he's like, John Brown? I'm like, no, no, Blake. He goes, oh, all you fat guys look the same. And I was like, Chris, you're a fat dude. Yeah. <laughs> he don't fucking say, Every you? time he calls you John Brown, you should be like, are you John Brown? <laughs> like, same difference, right? That's funny, because I always think I see John Brown, and it's never him. I even think I've said, hey, John, to people that aren't him, because everyone's got a beard, everyone's a little chubby, and it's like, and everyone's a comedian, where I go, at least, in my circle. Well, that's one of the biggest jokes that, like, uh, if you listen to, like, L.A. podcasts, they joke all the time about, like, when there's an attractive person doing comedy, being like, what, what are you doing? <laughs> what are you doing doing comedy? Why? Exactly. You're attractive. You that's, shouldn't be funny. The last open mic I did in Willoughby... There was a good-looking dude up there with long, blonde hair. And before he went on, I was like, he better not be funny. He's too fucking good-looking. And he turned out to be fucking hilarious. And I'm like, well, fuck it. I quit. Like, you can't be attractive and talented. Go fuck yourself. Yeah, that's funny that you said that. Because the first thing I said is, he's too handsome. He better not be funny. It's not cool. And he was. So. <laughs> I wish I remembered his name because he was hilarious. Yeah, that is, I forget almost everyone's name until yeah. I've seen them. Like, if I've talked, like, if I talk to them in person right. after they're set, then I'll remember their name most of the time. <laughs> most of the time, yeah. I remember faces every time. I'll be like, you! That's all. That's my yeah, like, I'll, I won't even remember faces so much as I'll remember, like, think I've seen you. Yeah. I can't be like, yeah, I've definitely seen you, but I don't know. It's, like, not the face, because uh, the same way I do comedy, the same way I learn things is I don't focus on details. I just take in the aggregate. And then, like, my brain sorts it out subconsciously. I'll remember someone's, like, presence. Right. More than I'll remember what they look like, what they sound like, or anything. But, like, someone will walk by me, and I'm like, something seems familiar here. That, that's exactly why you don't write your own shit. Like, you don't write it down. Because you're just like, oh, this figure. Yeah. That, that, that means your brain's a mess. Yeah, it is. Yeah. That's why I've, I've said this multiple times on this podcast. Like, I'm pretty sure I have self-diagnosed not pretty sure I have self-diagnosed. I have self-diagnosed myself. I'm pretty sure I have ADD. Pretty sure you're right. <laughs> As a shipping and receiving clerk, I can promise you you're right. <laughs> like, when I played Fortnite, uh, I'd start off god-awful. I'm bad at anything I start off at. The only two exceptions were weightlifting and comedy. Were, like, the only two things I was naturally right. decent at. I know we're not really close, but... You're telling me you've lifted weights? 
that's one of the biggest backhand compliments I've ever gotten is people constantly tell me, now I'm not as strong as I used to be, but in high school, I was actually the strongest kid in my grade. Oh, shit. And uh, I always got, you're a lot stronger than you look. And it's like, thank you. Thank you for telling me I look like a fat piece of shit. <laughs> I, I've never gotten that compliment. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was because uh, I was actually like, based on my body, my body mm-hmm. type is the reason I'm strong. I have short arms and a wide chest, so I can bench heavy. I have short legs, and I'm short to the ground, so I can squat heavy. So you're a center. You're like, if you play football, you'd be a center. I was a left tackle. Well, uh, you're not tall enough to do it now, but that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. I was a left tackle, and uh, that was the thing. They didn't want me to be center because they didn't think I could snap the ball. Why? Because I was so low to the ground, small hole. Bigger than a football. I'm yeah. not a scientist, but I could I could do the math on that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. My coaches didn't think I was going to be any good at football, and I wasn't. Like I said, I'm not naturally good at anything. <laughs> the only way I get good at things is by bending. Like, I don't do the natural, like, techniques for things. Right. I have to learn the techniques that work for my body. Like, when I wrestle, I started off wrestling 189, but I started each season weighing 220. So I would have to lose weight because the best wrestler on our team was a 215. So I'd lose down to 189. And then I was the backup to a guy who weighed 179 at the beginning of the season and then weighed 182 by the end of it. The only person I've ever known that wrestled and gained weight throughout a season. How did you lose weight? Did you just get dumped before every like wrestling season? How do you lose that much weight? Then? There was a lot of not eating. But, oh, poverty's done that yeah, to me. I, I uh, I want to write a lot of jokes about wrestling. Yeah. But like I said, I don't write jokes. I have to get the the muse right. to hit me, and then me to think of the way I'm like. I can say that to everyone, and it'd be funny. Yeah. I could tell all my wrestling stories to like my friend Chris that I was talking about. He was a wrestler. Yeah. Exactly. So he gets all the funny in it. Yeah. But if you've never done wrestling, I don't know if you get it. But there was a point where uh, I had to lose 13 and a half pounds in five days. But people can relate to losing weight. Yeah. So that's where that's the hook. That's where you got it. Yeah. But uh, I went five days without eating except for one slice of cheese on the second day. And I went two and a half days without drinking. So I got to the point where I couldn't even hold a pencil in yeah. class. My hands were so dehydrated, the pencil literally slipped out of them. Yeah. So I went to the bathroom in between classes to just like wet my hands so I'd have enough moisture in them to be able to write. And the one time I did that, I looked at myself in the mirror. I was just so like saddened yeah. by what I saw. I broke down and cried, just staring at myself. I do that after every shower. <laughs> every fucking shower. <laughs> so I did that and then my friends like uh Ended up being the family he lived with after my mom passed away. The one that was closest in age to him out of the kids of that family came into the bathroom and was like, Blake, are you okay? And I was like, yep, I'm good. And just like walked out. <laughs> but before that, I was literally like looking at myself. <laughs> you're dying. <laughs> but you're going to be a hell of a wrestler before you go. <laughs> that's- well, that's the funny thing is those two years that I lost all that weight, I fucking sucked. Really? Absolutely sucked. I went 0-17 from my freshman to sophomore year before I won I one match. I after 0-2. I'm like, fuck this. Like, I the, the week before I won my first ever match in high school, actually it was my first ever match in wrestling, because I wrestled in fifth grade and a little bit of sixth grade and didn't win any of those. The week before I won my first match ever, I told someone, I was like, yeah, yeah, I'm 0-17. And he goes, why do you do this? <laughs> 
I would have quit by now. Exactly. (laughs) A sane person would have been like, nope, not my thing. Can't do it. But then my uh, junior and senior years, I I came in weighing 230 instead of 220. And I was like, I'm not cutting down to 189 from this weight. So I wrestled heavyweight, which was uh, 220 to 285. Okay. So fat kid, but still tiny for a heavyweight. But strong. And I ended up, uh, my junior year, I went 17 and 8 before I broke my hand. And then my senior year, I went 25 and 12. So I went from... That's admirable. That's pretty good. I did just enough to be like, I'm not going to do the math right now, but I went from 0 and 17 to by the time I finished wrestling, I was over 500 as a wrestler. That's all you vote for. That's fine. That's fine. 50-50. If half your jokes land, you'd be happy. (laughs) I'd be thrilled if half my jokes landed. Like, fuck yeah, dude, it's good. It's like baseball. If you go 400, it's pretty fucking good. If you go 400, you're amazing. Right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I would take that. For baseball, for me, I sucked, obviously. But my on-base percentage was extremely high. Because you never swung? No, I got hit all the time. My nickname was the human backstop. Because just some something always happened. Like, And I crowded the plate a little bit. Like, I know I did that. But I guess because I was such a large body, people got scared and would just, like, fucking hit me and be like, all right, first base, here we come. And you found your net. <laughs> all Dennis Rodman did was a rebound. He yeah. fucking made a career out of it. So take a pitch every now and then. It'll be fine. <laughs> the highlight of me getting hit was I uh, played a doubleheader one game, and I got hit six times. Did and you I, get a trophy or something? You still <laughs> got a trophy for that. I, <laughs> the fifth time? No, no. The sixth time, I went up another time after that, and I was like, if I get it for a seventh time, I'm charging the mound just to say I could fucking do it. <laughs> I think after half a dozen, yeah, you should, you got the right, and the and the pitcher should just take the punch after that point. Like you became a fucking dartboard at that point. When I got to second base on my last at bat, because I I got walked, I didn't get hit, but I got walked. That was another reason my own base percentage was so high. I either got hit, I got walked, or I struck out. Very few hits. Very few actual hits. And still a productive career. Yes. <laughs> Which is ironic. <laughs> but uh, when I got to second base the last time around, the, the second baseman was like, he had pitched a couple Indians earlier, but was playing second base. then. he's like, hey, man, you know, sorry I hit you, but uh, I've never pitched before. Our coach is just throwing people out on the mound. <laughs> I was like, okay, that makes sense. <laughs> so you have to suffer because that guy can't manage a squat. That's hilarious. Just getting blasted in the face. <laughs> Never pitched before. Oh, little league coaches. They're the best. They're the best. They're, they're the worst. <laughs> they are by far the worst people ever. My mom uh, used to bitch all the time about uh, me not getting playing time. But like I said, I'm self-aware enough to know I wasn't good. Right, but she didn't want to admit it because yeah. you're her baby boy. So. But she would be like, they're never playing you. They're only playing their kids. And I was like, Mom. The coaches' kids are the four best kids on the team, <laughs> so they're going to play. This isn't political, mom. They're <laughs> way better. Like, yeah, I, get, I, I was I was gonna write a joke about a little league mom, but it's not that typical thing. It's gonna end in a very very dark line, so I'm scared to use it. <laughs> so, but I, it, it's a common concept. Like, they always think every mom thinks their kid's the best at everything, but the kid knows like not that good. My mom learned that I was not the best. <laughs> okay, good. And I have some jokes about uh. Like you said, very dark. Yeah. I did them. The day my mom passed away was February 29th. And the 10-year anniversary, 
fell last year on a Saturday, and the first place I ever did an open mic was the Negative Space in Cleveland, and they used to do an open mic the last Saturday of every month. It just so happened to fall on the Saturday of her death anniversary. Uh Uh-oh. So I decided I was going to do, since it was my first time that her birthday or death day had passed that I had been doing comedy, I was going to do a set dedicated to her with all new jokes I've never told. That's ballsy. So I did a bunch of jokes about her, and then I ended it on jokes about how... That's where my Pussycat Dolls joke first originated from. Oh, that's a funny joke. That's the first joke I, like... Or the only joke I've really pulled from that set and tried to use again. But I did a bunch of jokes about how I was the second favorite kid. And I ended it with uh, proving that... Well, when my mom went to my brother's baseball games, you know, she would buy peanuts so she could keep score on the ground and, like, keep track of errors, outs, everything. And she wasn't even a baseball girl. She didn't even know what it was about until he got to high school. But when she dropped me off at baseball games, she made sure I had a ride home before she left. (laughs) (laughs) That's where you rank. (laughs) That's fucking awesome. And then I was like... And when my brother graduated, she got him... She got his, like, graduation picture blown up to the size of like the Mona Lisa and put it in black and white and put it on the fireplace with black candles like around it. And when I walked in, I was like, did, did Lance die? <laughs> like what is he dead? <laughs> and it's like, that proves that I was the second kid because when I graduated, she wasn't there because on senior skip day, I skipped and she passed away the same day. Yeah. She had been sick for a long time, yeah. but, like, just so happened that senior skip day happened to be the day she passed away, so I happened to be at the hospital that day. I don't want to say it worked out, but it kind of did, because otherwise I would have been in school and I would have gotten the message. Dude. But, like, I ended it on that fucking dark tone, and everyone in the crowd was like, shit. <laughs> but I was like, just wanted to let you guys know. I did this set for my mom. I know I ended it badly, but you guys all laughed beforehand, and that was the point of this. That's pretty ballsy, though, and it's cool you did that because uh, it's hard to get dark, especially when it's true and dark. Mm. It's hard. People have a hard time laughing at it. Most of my stuff, most like most comics, is based off loosely based on something that actually happened. I'm trying to figure out how to get dark but silly. It's hard to do that because you can make anything. I in real life, I'm sure you've done this. You can make any tragedy into something humorous mm. but writing a joke and doing it on stage and it hitting enough people is fucking awesome. well yeah because you're always gonna have that person who doesn't matter how well you write it how well it's crafted the pulling them in and yeah. then bringing the joke out like there's gonna be that person like, that's not funny. just folds their arms and goes hmm, i don't yeah. like them like yeah. i know someone who's raped once rape jokes aren't funny yeah i know even, even if you're talking about a frog raping a frog and you're like well that's not funny it was like I'm not saying that's a funny concept. I'm just saying, like, you're right. There's always, it's so hard to get the majority of the room. It's, especially on dark shit. It's, it's, you got there's always going to be someone who has, and I've described this before on this podcast, but I think of like jokes, ideas as a continuum. Say there's a line of every idea in the world. There's another line of every idea in the world that can be funny. Yes. But if someone has a reason, some trauma that goes, this isn't funny. They take that, they take it off the continuum. This isn't funny. That's not funny. That's not funny. Doesn't matter what you say, you're going to hit in their continuum 
of ideas, right. and your continuum of things that are funny, you're going to hit something where it's a non-starter. And that's that's the art form part of it. I firmly believe anything can be funny if you do it right. No matter how silly, how dark, how traumatic, I feel like anything can be funny if you do it right. And granted, uh, you're going to fail a lot of times trying to do that, but I, I know there's a way to make everything funny. Because my life has been fucking... Ugh, it's just been a fucking shit show of tragedies. But... I I can make fun. The of most important things. thing is if you find it funny, I you, think it's hilarious. You can project that funny. That, that's what I, I used to go to a therapist, and they two of them said to me, "You're handling all this very well." And I'm like, "Am I good? Because I'm in therapy. Like that's why I stopped going, obviously. But I'm like, am I handling it well? But then I started realizing well, I am handling it well. He, here's the thing yeah. with therapy, and uh, my friend Chris has gone to therapy, and we've talked about it. Is like therapists literally just let you talk and then talk you through your thought process. Right. They they redirect your thought process. Yeah. They're they're not. Because uh, I once said something was like to a friend. I was like, what, you don't know psychology at all? And he's like, I'm not a psychologist, so how would I know? And I was like, psychology is very basic. Everybody has psychology. <laughs> it's already it's, there. Because <laughs> a lot of people think I'm like really smart for the things I say. And I'm just like, no, it's just common sense. If you really think about the things you've heard and you've seen, and then you digest the information the correct way, right. it's easy. I tell people all the time, they're like, how do you know? I'm like, it's psychology 101. Just fucking... Step back and look at it again. It's fucking basic psychology. I tell my buddy Mike now, all the time. I, I predict the future all the time when we're in public. He's like, how the fuck do you do that? I'm like, everyone's got a formula. Just watch. Watch the formulas. Everyone's got a formula. I predict the future. Like, all the time, like, I'll tell people, like, you're going to end up liking that person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, uh. I can guess people's friends' names, and I just met them. I can guess their parents' ages. <laughs> and he's like, how do you know? I'm like, everyone's got a fucking formula. Nine out of ten times, if you pay attention, everyone's the same. Just watch. It, it's, it's fascinating and also very disappointing. <laughs> <laughs> no, it is, it is disappointing to know how easy it is. Like, I'll finish that story before or after I tell this story. About, well, are we still doing the hour intro? I 100% called something that I had no ability to call one time, but I said it in my head. And I'm so mad I didn't say it to someone else because mm. I was watching a high school football or not high school football, high school basketball game. And I went, all right, what's going to happen is Robbie's going to pressure the ball. It's going to get stolen by Toby. And then Toby's going to hit a three. Happened exactly how I said it in my head. Absolutely happened exactly how I said it in my head. And I think looking back on it, like how I said, my brain just absorbs information and then subconsciously fucking rifles right. through it. Yeah. I was like, I knew they were going to do a full court press. I knew who, like, I didn't know who was going to do it, but, like, my subconscious knew. I think it's pattern recognition, and then when some a new scenario pops up, your brain already has that same scenario catalog that you forgot about, mm. and I think it just references that. Because I've done it a hundred times. Like, I've had dreams, like, of uh, girlfriends and friends and stuff, and uh, I won't tell them the dream, but... I'll ask questions that are based on my dream, and I've gotten two confessions out of that. Because I knew so much detail, they just assumed I knew. And I was like, oh my god, I fucking, I just, I just, <laughs> no. But I don't tell them that. They just assumed that I knew. And I was like, all right, that's cool. Like, but but it's, it, that happens. But I think it's just your brain remembering. Your brain's similar. a lot smarter than your conscious is. It knows way more than you do. It, and I think that's, and I don't think it's magic or anything like that. I just think your brain has those situations cataloged, and it references it when it needs it. You know? Well, I actually, this, again, deep. My friend asked me, he's like, what do you think consciousness is? And I have a belief that consciousness is your body has your survival instincts. 
the the things that your body needs to survive are unconscious. Yeah. Those are if you're thirsty, you're thirsty. Your body tells you you're thirsty. If you need sugar, your body makes you eat sweets. Like it's things you don't control that your body goes this needs to happen. Yeah. Your consciousness is all like the information that all your cells are taking in and the excess is your way of sorting them out. Yes. And I think you're that right. That creates your consciousness. That makes so much fucking sense. That makes complete that makes complete sense. Yeah, I, mean, I thought I knew everything, but I just learned something. Like I have no backing up of that, but it to me it makes sense because you have your biological things that you need yeah. to survive. And then your conscious thought is all the extra information you're dealing with. And then that creates your personality, that creates yes. all those. Yes. And oh that's oh well I can't mull that over right now but i'm gonna drive home and think about that but i think you're out of something dude it's there's something there because your body and your mind knows way more than you do like if you crave a potato it's not because you like potatoes your body's like i need some starch yeah and it could be it couldn't even be that it needs starch but it feels your starch level that you're used to right is lower there you go yeah and it's just that's that's fucking yeah i think you're right about that conscious oh shit that's fun that's fun that's why i don't think I don't think intuition is magical or anything like that. I just think your brain's remembering things that you forgot. No. And it's applying it to the present. Well, it's like, I could never tell if a girl was into me. Oh, I still can't. I've been, could, I've been alive I've been, a long what, time. I can't, could never tell. I mean, definitely still can't. <laughs> I could watch everything going around me and be like, she likes him, he likes her, they're going to end up together. I could do that, and Same. I could tell people that, Yeah. and it would end up happening. I've picked people's next boyfriend, girlfriend a thousand times. But I have no clue when somebody likes me or doesn't like me. So I just shoot my shot and I'm like, I don't care. Like, Man, you shoot your shot? I just fucking dribble until the ball falls well, out. Lately, I've been, I just got a nine-year relationship, so I don't know how to do it. You're at the age, not to call you old, but Thanks. you're at the age where you failed enough. Like, What's what's the harm in doing it again? I don't care. I mean, at this <laughs> point, I don't care. Because I, I like I like being by myself. I'm a good, I like being with me. I'm That's the friend. important thing. Is yeah. Being okay single... Because there's so many people in this world that do not know how to be single. And they're like, I just hate being single. I was like, why? Well, I haven't been single in fucking years because I'm a serial monogamist. I can do it. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to go deep again just based on your Facebook post. You're, you know what made your last relationship bad. Oh, God. So Oof. you're okay being single until you find that person or that makes sense. Yeah. people that you're like, Okay, I know this isn't super negative. This is n- not what I was used to, right. and I didn't like what I was used to. I've been in, I've been in damage control mode for nine years, like self self defense mode. So now it's like, if I like a girl, I just tell her I like her. If she says no, I'm like, whatever, went through worse. <laughs> like I don't give a fuck. I was actually talking to my friend Chris about how I'm glad I'm 30 now, and I can look at 20 year olds who are afraid to like. I don't want them to know I have a dog because what if they don't like dogs? It's like, who gives a fuck? That's a filtering the, process. Well, no, here's the thing is, the person should give a fuck because at some point they're going to find out you have a dog. That's at true. At some point they're going to find out. So either let them know up front the things you're worried about or it's going to come back at some point and bite you in the ass. You're, you're lucky to learn that now because I had to go through nine years of abuse before I realized. So now I'm just like, I have enough confidence in who I am as a person that if I like someone, I'm just like, hey, I like you. What are you going to do about that? They could say yeah or nay. I'll move on. I'll be fine. But you you got. The, it sounds like you learned it earlier than I did because you're just like, 
Who cares? The the be- honesty is the best fucking way to go. Just be fuck. Just be well, honest. because the truth's gonna come out at some point. Exactly. Take it or leave it. Save us all nine years of bullshit. Just mm-hmm. take it or leave it. Also, I do believe the first six months of a relationship are an absolute lie. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> first nine years are a lie. <laughs> like, I I can't even tell you. Like, uh, but but I knew this like eight years ago. I knew I knew what I was in for. I just thought I was so fucking arrogant. I thought I could fix it, but it's you can't fix. Uh, personality disorders. You can't. You can't fix them. No. I would. I wouldn't say you can't fix them. You. You personally can't. Fix I them. can't. You can present enough information for that person to want to fix them, and if they don't, you got to get out. And I did that, and there were times where she was catching on, but the disorder was bigger than both. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, it was like infinite amounts of pathological lying, tons of cheating, neglect, um, gaslighting, stonewalling. All yeah, that. you've definitely been through therapy. Listen to all those fucking No, keywords. I just learned this all in the last month. Really? I, I knew what was going on. I didn't know there was a title. I didn't know there was words for all this stuff until recently. But the worst thing of the whole thing, I think, was that she had the worst taste of music ever. <laughs> <laughs> like, she listened to that symphonic metal shit. It, it's all about unicorns and dragons, you know? And they just, like, everyone tries to play faster than the next guy. And I'm like, I gotta do all the gaslighting and cheating comes secondary to like German symphonic metal bands with a female opera singer like that that I could have done without that's going to require therapy I can't get those riffs out of my head dude those are that's just terrible shit love her to death but all the other stuff secondary to that symphonic metal nobody in their right mind listens to that that's garbage I, I think that's really important for people to like you did um, and I don't think people realize how important it is to say that, but whenever you complain about someone, it's very important for people to understand that although I'm bitching, I still do appreciate that person as a person. Oh, I love her death. I, I wish her the best. I, it, it, it just, it's impossible to go into detail about it without sounding like a bashier. Yeah, so well, no, to, that's the thing. So I don't go into detail. I just, I, I wish her the best. I love her death. But it just was never going to fucking work. I, my theory on things about like that type of thing, like it's hard to go into detail without bashing, is you don't need to talk about the good things. The yeah. good things, they're, they're there. The bad things are the feelings you need to sort out. So when you talk to people, you tell them the bad things. And then they take they take it as, oh, that person's a piece of shit, blah, 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 blah. blah. It's like... You're, you're right, because I spent nine years not talking about it. So when we first broke up, I was so excited to be able to talk about it finally. But I started saying too much to people, but it's because I couldn't help it. No, it's the thing, those are the things you need to sort, like a therapist. Yes. Like those are the things you need to deal yeah. with. You don't need to deal with, oh, she used to make me eggs every Saturday and that made me happy. That's not something you need no. to tell people. Good point. Yeah. That's not something you have to reconcile. Yeah. Like, it's the other stuff. But, but I realized people thought I was bashing her after I was like, oh, I got to I got, so I started to end up telling people like, no, 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 don't hate her. I'm, I'm just trying to get this out finally. But so now I just don't talk about it anymore. What, I'm fine. I'm over it now. What I tell people is like, if I'm bashing someone, is like, like I said, I, I'm just, I'm saying the negative things because that's right. what I need to say. But there's two sides to every story. There is. There and is. their reasonings for doing the things that I find negative might outweigh why I find them negative. I don't know if that's the case for you. A personality disorder is a personality yeah. disorder. No, I'm, so, yeah, I'm just saying this, this is a, like a, this isn't a. Um, it wasn't like a um, personality that that's how it was a personality disorder. Mm. So no, I don't. I wasn't trying to like apply it I to know, your situation, but I'm saying it's like there's just 
again, with personality disorder, there's a reason they have it. Right. Nine times out of ten. And it's nothing you're ever gonna fix. And that's the thing. I knew what I knew what caused it, what it was. So that's why my arrogant, fucking, stupid brain was like, I can fix this. Yeah, I'm the opposite. I uh, as soon as I see a red flag, I immediately dip out. And I did that at the beginning. I broke up with her six times in six months because I knew something was wrong. I just didn't know what the fuck it was. But that's neither here nor there. It's just I'm still pissed about the music because we have to go to Trader Joe's. <laughs> Every fucking weekend on the way to Trader Joe's, I'd have to listen about some 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 fucking song about Middle Earth, and I'm like, I think Tolkien covered this. <laughs> I think he covered this. Okay, hold like, on. We need to talk about. Have you read the books? Uh, I've, I started reading. I started reading the first one. Yeah, and they're beautiful. They're the, beautiful. Oh, you want to know my big negative about those? Please. The page and a half used to describe how this city is in relation to the seven other cities that you don't even know about. Yes, I get that. That, That's really fucking monotonous. But I I love the way he writes. Like, I don't feel like he wastes a word, but you're right. He does, like, the whole lore behind it. It'll take a lifetime to get through all that, which Mm -hmm. I don't have time for. That's why I said I started reading it, because I don't got that fucking kind of time. But you don't need to make a metal opera song about it hollywood covered it tolkien covered it fucking led zeppelin covered it we're good we got it we don't we don't need to see how fast you can play guitar solo like <laughs> talk about fucking Gollum. shut up it's, yeah that's that's the worst thing that happened in the last nine years is that i learned about symphonic metal or black metal whatever power metal there's a thousand genres but it's always a female opera singer and some dude who can't wait to show you how fast he can shred a guitar that's the worst part. that's my biggest regret <laughs> and on that, we're going to end this fireside chat. That was a fuck symphonic metal. All right, you guys have a great night. Bye.